This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. It's a pleasure to welcome Peter Betts back to the program. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing fine, Bob, and I want you to know I prepared for this thoroughly. I got up early this morning, I took a shower and shaved, and I put drops in my eyes so I'd be able to hear you all right. Sounds good to me. Uh, Peter Betts is a well-known rock on tour. I use that little promotional thing about you. I hope you don't mind me calling you that. Uh, also, no, my lawyer said it's all right. All right, also a punster, but uh, to the point of this program, uh, Peter is an historian. He writes a column uh, every other Monday in the Leader Herald about uh, history up the Fulton County area. He's a retired uh, Fulton County historian and professor emeritus at Fulton Montgomery Community College. And uh, we do have one topic that we're going to talk about with Peter today that, as they say, is trending on Facebook. Uh, Since I did promote on Facebook that Peter was going to join us on The Historians, Uh, he he wants to talk about the origin of the name Tribes Hill. Tribes Hill is a hamlet uh, between uh, Amsterdam and Fonda. Uh, Do I have that right so far, Peter? Absolutely. And the man who has... Uh, you know, kind of got an interest in this in addition to Peter, is a fellow named David Mance, David Mance, who has a little ditty out on YouTube or a production in which he uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek takes a look of where the name Tribes Hill came from. And then he just uh, emailed me some information in which, uh, well, maybe I'll let you handle it because you're sort of the, the Tribes Hill uh, why does it have that name, expert Peter? Well, I, I'm not. I'm not sure I am exactly, but uh, uh, I, I, I have to to add a uh, a kind of a, a thing here to begin with. I have a feeling that if someone were to dig even deeper into it, and that that would include having to go down to the state museum, perhaps in the archives, and you know, try and uh, get in there. They might be able to find more than I've found. But my my existence with Albany is that I try to avoid it whenever possible okay. <laughs> because it's bigger than I am. So I have to tell you that basically what I'm going to relate today, uh, I am sort of an armchair historian. In fact, I don't know how I'd be able to function if they took my armchair away from me. But uh, doing research in early sources, newspaper sources, and things of that sort. It's the basis of what I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, first of all, I got, we, I got, we got discussing it uh, uh, even actually last fall down at uh, one of the nice presentations put on in uh, Fort Hunter by the Scary Crossing uh, State uh, Group down there. And uh, it just came up in casual conversation, and I said, well, I'll take a look at it and see if I can find something. So from there, uh, I worked on it a little bit, and uh, the earliest, well, let's put it this way, uh, the old Amsterdam historian Max Reed, in his book on the Mohawk Valley, uh, wrote in 1901 that he had seen a 1779 Tryon County map. Mm-hmm. And on that map, it called it Trips Hill. Now, that's T-R-I-P-S. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have uh, the earliest reference I could find after my research is that in uh, on May 23rd, 1780, 
Okay. Uh, uh, Colonel uh, George Clark uh, wrote to Governor Clinton a very hurried letter right on the heels of uh, Sir John Johnson's surprise uh, raid, okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, informing uh, Clinton what was going on down there. And without going into the letter, he refers to it as Trips Hill, T-R-I-P-E-S. Mm. We're going to encounter all these different spellings, and so I kind of almost have to spell them to tell you which one we're talking with at any time. Now, the point of this really is that uh, Clark uh, would have presumed that Clinton knew exactly where he was. So what I'm saying is I think by that time that that uh, no Nomer Trips Hill was already in general use. Okay. Okay. Uh, then in uh, 1784, uh, on the 6th of March, uh, a man named Peter Bowen, and the Bowens lived just uh, uh, west, actually, of, uh, of Tribes Hill, as we know it now. He wrote a letter to George Herkimer, uh, and he was asking George Herkimer if, if he could reimburse uh, Bowen for having uh, advanced Herkimer's brother uh, some food and money on a trip that they'd taken. And he also uh, is uh, uh, writing from what he calls Trips Hill. The same spelling, T-R-I-P-E-S. Mm-hmm. Then in 1790, okay, an Italian gentleman, Count Paolo Andriani, who was uh, one of those, you know, well-to-do people taking a tour, uh, he kept a journal. And he recorded in the journal there is the little village of Trips Hill, T-R-I-P-P-S, <laughs> situated pleasantly on a plain, elevated about 300 feet from the sea level. And then he said, he goes on, and he says, uh, from their appearance, the houses there are almost all new, of new foundation. Well, they would be, of course, after the war and after the raids. And then two years later, uh, a gentleman named Andrian Vanderkamp wrote in a, a letter to a friend. He said, stopped a few moments at the ancient residence of Sir William Johnson, now occupied by Mr. Kyler. Of course, he's talking about old Fort Johnson. Mm-hmm. And remained there that night at Trips Hill, T-R-I-P-S, with Mr. Putman, the landlord, six miles from Cognawaga. Now, Cognawaga, of course, is Fonda. Okay. <laughs> and, you really and, need a uh, scorecard. about the right distance, you know. Yeah. So he's, he's uh, you know, it's it's already in common knowledge at that point. Then uh, in uh, 1802, uh, there was already a discussion about how the name should be spelled. Okay. On July 23rd, the Reverend John Taylor uh who was apparently traveling through the valley, uh, put in his diary, arrived at Trips Hill, T-R-I-P-S. Okay. And he said, if the former name Trips, T-R-I-P-S, was correct, uh, the name would have been derived from some family in the vicinity, but none has ever been known, and hence it is probable it is merely a corruption of the original name which doesn't really tell us anything. That's true. <laughs> Except the fact that, you know, it was thought it was an interesting point of discussion. Yeah. Then uh, we have another reverend, uh, 
Asio Nettleton, uh, who seems to be sort of a starch collar type, and he he was he had been uh, holding revivals here and there, uh, and this was in 1820, uh, and he'd been going up and down the valley, and he wrote a glowing letter of his great successes and all the souls he'd been saving, and he sent it to a very interesting early Schenectady newspaper called the Schenectady Cabinet, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he wrote, adjoining Amsterdam is a very wild place called Trips Hill, T-R-I-P-E-S. Hmm. Okay. And the and another notice appeared just there a couple of years later, in, on December 22nd, 1823, in the early Amsterdam newspaper, the Amsterdam Herald. Uh, uh, there was a stage line, of course, going through. And it said in a just tiny little note, it said, the gentleman whose truck was taken from the stage near Tripp's Hill came back for his property. And again, it's T-R-I-P-E-S. Okay. Now, a post office was established there in 1825. Oh, boy. Now we're uh, getting somewhere. Uh, pardon me? Now we're getting somewhere. A post office. Yes, right. Right. And again, the name discrepancy was noted in the, an article in the Schenectady Cabinet. It's an... an quoting it, it says, Tribes Hill. This is the first mention I find of tribes, okay, mm-hmm. as we know it today. Tribes Hill, and then it said, commonly known as Trips Hill. Okay, a new post office has been established in this village on this hill, and Fisher Putnam has been appointed postmaster. Wow. So, you see, uh, again, uh, and there, is a, there are a couple of mentions that uh, items that suggest, and uh, or at least in the writer's belief, that it was in 1825 that uh, because the post office was uh, settled there, that the post postal authority wanted to establish a formal name for it, and it is suggested by some writers that this was when they actually switched it illegally to To tribes. tribes. Now, Peter, if I could just interrupt here, and uh, we're talking with Peter Betts, well-known area historian in the Mohawk Valley, trying to find out where Tribes Hill got its name. Uh, I I don't know, maybe this will sound like a cross-examination, but, you know, I I would say that, you know, always growing up, I thought, oh, Tribes Hill, it has something to do with the Mohawk Nation of Indians. But from all you've said, it appears to have nothing to do with that. Well, we're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, there, there, there's definitely. I was told the same thing, Bob. Yes. You know. Uh, let me let me continue here, and we're going to get into that a little bit. All right. Okay. Uh, at any uh, at any point, uh, uh, let's see. Get back to it. Uh, well, oh yeah, the old Reverend Nettleton there. He called it uh, a wild place. He says one of the reasons, I'm thinking, one of the reasons he might have called it a wild place was because at that time, the 1820s, uh, it contained a big distillery. Oh. I didn't know that, but I discovered it. <laughs> okay. uh, this is uh, because there was an accident there. That's how it got in the paper. Mm. On August 27, 1827, the Amsterdam Sentinel newspaper uh, stated the following. Calverine Taylor, the son of Mr. Roland Taylor of this village, who was employed at the distillery 
at Tripp's Hill was endeavoring to stop the water from discharging itself too fast from the boiler. When a valve burst off and made its way through the upper floor where he was standing, accompanied by boiling water, which nearly covered him, he was so badly scalded that he survived but a few hours. It was also a politically active place. In 1830, the Schenectady cabinet noted, a meeting of anti-Jackson electors was held at the home of Victor Vosburg at Tripps, T-R-I-P-E-S, Hill. See, it may have been Tribes Hill legally as far as the post office was concerned, but uh, a lot of local people were still using it the other way. And here's a curious story, and I'm going to follow this up as a separate story one of these days. On August 14th, 1838, the Kanjahari Radi reported, on Thursday night, some evil-disposed miscreants set fire to the railroad bridge near Tripp's Hill, which caused so much damage the night train could not pass. <laughs> okay. Now, that's another story, and there's there's trial records on that, and one of these days when I get a chance, I'm going to get into that, too. All right. But, I, I do uh, want to jump in again here, Peter. I'm sorry to interrupt the narrative flow, but um, when, when we go all the way back to that first reference you had and then subsequent ones to it being Tripp's Hill, is is that somebody's name? Uh, what well, could that be? And I, I let me uh, just hold the floor for another moment. That that's where our friend David Mance comes in, who has been uh, sending us messages right. about well, uh, the name. I've because got no, I, I'm sorry if I could just finish this, Peter. Um, <laughs> yeah. David Mance, uh, the last message he sent to me was that he's found some topographical maps uh, where it shows the Mohawk Turn Road or something like that goes up and uh, uh, to the Tribes Hill Hill. And he says it maybe goes all the way back to the Dutch because he's found that an old Dutch word for journey is trip. I think that's very interesting. However, I, I, have, I have actually encountered a trip that lived near there. Okay. Well, tell us so, about him. So that, that'll be the next thing that comes on here. But you're asking for explanations and how did the Indians get associated with it. And uh, uh, I can just go back to that. Okay. We go back again, way, way back to 1802. And this Reverend Taylor, who was musing on the subject of the names, uh, he advanced a theory of his own. And his theory was that Sir William Johnson gathered his Indian visitors at this location before marching them to Albany for the Albany Conference of 1754. And the Reverend says, and I think somebody probably just told him this, Sir William Johnson did not want this meeting to take place at his own residence because he could not feed so many people. He naturally had them camp at this spot, which became known as Tribes Hill. Oh. Okay. Now, uh, and, and here's, here's the silliest one of all, and this is a strange thing, uh, because it, it was written by the Reverend W.N.P. Daly, who was a fairly credible local historian in the western part of Montgomery County in the early 20th century. Uh, but he wrote in uh, 1938 in the St. Johnsville Enterprise, he said, the hill conceived its name from a lady who lived there and made a famous brand of tripe. <laughs> well, okay, I have another tripe uh, point to make. Um, okay. You know, you've been you've said that it, in early records, maybe it's called Trips Hill, and then at some point they add an E, but that's a kind of fish. And I was reading... 
uh, Jackie uh, Daly Murphy's uh, History of St. Mary's Parish in Amsterdam, and, uh-huh. and which uh, she, I think, was quoting somebody, but and it said that uh, a lot of the Catholic parishioners lived in the area of uh, Tribes Hill or Tripes Hill, uh, and that was named that because uh, the poor people in Ireland used to ha- subside on tripe, the, the fish tripe. So that was well, one idea. I, I'm not saying it isn't so. You know, it, it may very well be. Uh, but anyhow, uh, to get to get back to Mr. Mance, is it? Yes, David Mance. And, and, and his, uh, and his uh, theories. Uh, I had pretty much given up on trying to locate any person named Trip or Tripe who was located there. And then I said, ah, I'll go check the census of 1790. Won't do any harm, you know. And uh, so actually I came, well, it started by, by uh, coming across an article in the recorder, which was aggravating because it didn't have an author on it. But this was from 1972, and it is, it is reputed to have been called Tripp's Hill after a man named William Tripp, T-R-I-P-E, who lived on the hill in the area. Well, what do you get do when you get something like that? You want to try and verify it if you can, or at least disprove it. So I went into the uh, old census records, and in the census of 1790, to my great surprise, I came across not a William Tripp, but a Jabez Tripp, T-R-I-P. Hmm. And he's identified in the 1790 census as living at Cognawaga, i.e. Fonda, slightly west, but close enough to bear some scrutiny. He does not appear, however, in any subsequent census. census. So I'm not sure to do with that. But I'll tell you where I think the greatest impetus for this idea that it was called Tribes Hill because the Indians lived there came from the prominent uh, historian Nelson Green. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nelson Green was very much associated with uh, the development of the Mark... Mark, uh, uh, Valley, uh, was it the uh, old uh, tourist organization they had back in the 20s? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also wrote a big four volume history and some other things. And Green said uh, that it stemmed from the Mohawk Village being located there. Well, the Mohawk Village wasn't located there. The Mohawk Village was located, of course, in Fort Hunter. Uh, but I guess maybe Green thought that was close enough. <laughs> <Could be. laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then again, um, James Dufel. I never. I knew several Dufels, but I don't think I ever met him. Wrote a small book that really isn't very well known in 1998 called Hill, New York, The History of the Mohawk Hamlet and Its People. And he put in there, and I think he did some research on it. Uh, he said, research from the National Archives and Records Service in Washington suggests that on May 5th, 1847, the name was officially changed to Tribes Hill. Now, why that date, I don't know. Uh, which, of course, means the fact that, well, I should have said this when we started talking about this, I can only relate to you what I have discovered, and I think Mr. Mance's work with the uh, the maps is very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what I meant when I said I'm sort of an armchair guy, but perhaps he has actually gone down uh, to the archive, and, and maybe that's where you found these maps. I really can't say, because I don't know them. 
Well, Peter, this has been a real fascinating discussion. Trip or tripe or tribe. Um, and um, I, I guess I don't know what the... Uh, there's no conclusion here, is there? Or is I, I, there? As of now, as of this moment, if there's a sudden news bulletin later in the day, <laughs> I'll be sure to inform you. Okay. Well... <laughs> All right. Well, Peter Betts is uh, with us on the Historians podcast, and uh, he writes about all kinds of things in history. In case there's one or two people out there who are tired of hearing about Tribes Hill, uh, you had sent me a, a list of other topics. I'll, I'll, you as the uh, expert guest, I'll let you pick. What would you like to discuss in the remaining a few minutes we have here? Well, uh, yeah, and if you give me a minute warning or something at the end, uh, I like the one about horse ru- horses running away. All right. Well, let's do the horses running away. Disastrous old-time horse runaways. Well, it, it kind of got into I actually wrote this quite a while ago. Remember when the cars were supposedly zooming out of control a couple of years ago? Yes, I guess I do remember that, yeah. Well, I got thinking about it, because when you're researching things in old newspapers, it's almost impossible not to f- see some little item on a given page about somebody's horse running away. <laughs> and uh, horses did. So I decided I'd have some fun with this. The earliest uh, notice I found uh, in the immediate area, okay, was in the New York City, New York Advertiser newspaper on September 18th, 1832. It happened around here. They had it. They had excerpted this story from the Schenectady Whig, uh, obviously a political newspaper from Schenectady, uh, and and uh, it was very common for newspapers to lift things from other newspapers, uh, you know, to fill space in those days. Uh, and they said, melancholy accident. Mrs. Chapman of New York and two daughters who were staying in Galway, Saratoga County, were on a visit to friends in Amsterdam. Proceeding towards Amsterdam Village in a one-horse wagon, when on crossing a somewhat high bridge, the horse became restive and backed the wagon off the bridge, precipitating all but Miss Clisby, who jumped from the wagon into the creek. <laughs> the horse fell on Mrs. Chapman, oh, killing her instantly. Oh, Some part of the wagon struck one of the daughters, fracturing the skull and ensuring her death within about an hour. The other daughter was also considerably injured. So that's the earliest thing I found. But if you just wanted to pick stories, they're all over the place. Okay. Uh, We can continue here. Uh, We passed by Mrs. Chapman's horse, which obviously uh, had a case of bridge anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes horses knew better with things like that, too. Uh, let's see. In 1906, the Fulton County Republican reported Frederick Groff, 35, of North School Street in Gloversville, was driving a rig loaded with household goods when the horse became frightened and because it was either kicked, uh, let's see, became, no, wait a minute, when the horses became frightened and Groff, was either kicked or run over. Four boys, you could picture this, four boys who were also on the load were seriously injured. The boys pleaded for a ride, and Groff consented. He was hauling furniture. Okay? Uh, when near the park and East Fine Street intersection, the team suddenly swerved and started to run. 
Some people say a piece of paper was blown toward the horses and scared them. Others say a chain fell upon them from the wagon. Groff showed no signs of life, and after being placed in the ambulance, he breathed his last. The entire load of furniture is considered a total loss. Goodness. Well, you know, that that's it. It is something. I mean, obviously it happened uh, all the time, or maybe not all the time, but uh, frequently enough that it was a common thing in the newspapers. Right. Very common. And I'll give you another one. Gloversville Daily Leader, October 7th, 1901. Charles Horton, a, uh, a broad Auburn blacksmith, well-known in the city, i.e. Gloversville, was almost instantly killed in a runaway at Amsterdam yesterday while driving a spirited colt. At the corner of Market and Meadow Streets, he drove across the trolley tracks. Trolleys were approaching, and the horse became frightened and ran away. Onlookers were horrified at the sight of the horse plunging down the hill. Of course, and there was also a sharp turn at the bottom. At the bottom, it ran headlong into the veranda of Bartholomew's Hotel. Horton was started for the hospital, but died before arriving. He had the reputation as being the best man at his trade in the village. Hmm. Another, so, another horse run away. Now, Peter, yeah. you, we, have, uh, we have a few minutes left. Count them on one hand, about three. You said you wanted to bring up another topic before we were done? Well, uh... Not, not really. I just wanted to make sure we weren't dangling in the middle of something. That's all. Uh, we do have the Summer Theater, which uh, I, I wrote one on the 2nd August Summer Theater, the old rustic theater, as you know, burned in uh, 1955. And uh, basically the story is about the resuscitation of the theater concept and the rebuilding of a theater uh, up there. Uh, in uh, 1956, mm -hmm. and uh, of course they had some fairly big names that uh, showed up and gave performances up there. And where yeah. was up there, Peter? Where where was this located? Uh, just below the uh, the turn uh, uh, from uh, the main highway uh, to cross the bridge in Northville. Okay, so and it was down, nestled down in. Okay. Uh, on one side, right right by the road. Now, the new theater was built, of course, not of wood, but of corrugated metal. Okay. And and one of the things they go into was why it failed. And it kind of amused me because uh, I, my opinion of why it failed was very different than the, the people who were writing about it. My opinion, because I was there, was that the main reason it failed was when you build a building full of corrugated metal, with no air conditioning in it, that thing was a sauna. <laughs> See. And I know because my mother always said, we have to go to the theater. So we went up to the theater. That was reason number one as far as I was concerned. Okay. Reason number two was it was the mosquito hotbed of the world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and I really think even though none of those, neither of those are the reasons cited for why it failed, I really think, honestly, that, must have had a lot to do with it. I'm sure people went there. You know, maybe the play was good. I don't know. But in the meantime, they had to undergo all this discomfort. And I'll tell you something. It was it was torture. Really? Well, I, I do remember, uh, kind of like yourself, being taken as a child, or maybe like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old by my 
uh, relatives to this theater experience. And I hate to tell you, I thought it was fun. You know, it seemed like I, I just have a brief memory of it. I don't remember mosquitoes nor it being real hot. But then again, I forget a lot. Well, on a good day, it was fun, Bob. I'm just, I'm just saying that there were, there were times, and it also seemed to be the times when we got there, but uh, it was just, just kind of bad. All right. Uh, well, well, Peter, we are I, just about out of time now. I, I thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, maybe we'll uh, continue uh, at some point with the, uh, the phenomenon of where the name Tribes Hill came from. That was really an interesting discussion on that and the summer theater. Peter, I thank you very much. Bob, thank you very much for having me, and you know where to send a check. I do. Uh, Peter Betts is a columnist for the Leader Herald newspaper, writing about Fulton County history, retired Fulton County historian, and FMCC professor emeritus. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cutmore.